in and you can add a competitive aspect to something that millions of people already love doing, like video gaming. The old sports guy, the old football player, and they just realize like, hey, this is going to be a big business at some point. And that's Jason Lake, founder and CEO of Complexity Gaming, talking about the light bulb moment. That moment he knew he was onto a real business 16 years ago, esports. Let's fast forward to today, and Complexity Gaming has won nearly 150 championships across 30 games and recently added Jerry Jones of Dallas Cowboys fame to their ownership group. Complexity's team all live and reside in and around the star in Dallas. You'll hear it in the pod. It's really impressive. Also on the pod, we discuss how they are reverse engineering fan engagement, digital first, and now into live local activations, how traditional sports and the gaming community can learn from each other, and why fans are fans and the unique demographics of each game that is played. Welcome to The Bond. I grew up a gamer, and uh, through college and law school, I didn't really have a lot of time to play games. Um, But after law school, I took some time off, did some traveling, and I walked into a friend's apartment one day, and he was sitting on his computer, and he's playing this game. I'm like, wow, that looks really cool. What is that? And he's like, it's Counter-Strike. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, who are you playing? He's like, oh, these people are all in their homes playing me over the internet. And as silly as that sounds to say today, back then it was really a novel idea. I was like, what? I'm like, that's incredible. And so I started playing it and fell in love with the game. It was just kind of a, a, a hobby of mine. And, and then I discovered that there were already competitions being formed in world championships, ironically, being held in Dallas, where I am now. And that's when the light bulb went on. You know, it just occurred to me, I'm like, this is really a digital sport for this whole new digital era that we're entering. You know, they were putting DSL in offices and high-speed internet in companies. And it just became apparent to me, there's teams, there's coaches, they're playing against each other for money and trophies. I'm like, this is a new sport. So, and anytime, I think when you can add a competitive aspect to something that millions of people already love doing like video gaming. Um, you know, the old sports guy, the old football player. And they just realized like, Hey, this is going to be a big business at some point. What year was that? 2003 is when I founded complexity. So I guess it probably occurred to me right around 2002, 2003. It's amazing. The best line in there is, and then we realized some of the companies were putting high speed internet into their offices. I mean, if you think how, how far back, but also how far back you've been doing this too. (laughs) I, you know, I started playing on dial up. And, uh, you know, it makes me laugh so hard to think about that. I was so excited uh, when I put DSL connection in my law firm. I'm like, this is the best thing ever because I had DSL, you know, it was like three megabits uh, uh, down or something. And I was like, this is unbelievable coming from dial up. So, yeah, that's uh, that's back when I started. So 16 years into complexity, I'm sure there are moments along the way that have given you a kind of a hockey curve up. But what was the first what was the first of those back either right away or a couple of years in where you hit an accelerant? I mean, I guess the first accelerant was fan based. Um, you know, I'd put together a Counter Strike team of some players that were really talented, and we started surprising people at how good we were. Um, I'd contracted them and were paying them small salaries to play the game and, you know, paying their travel to uh, different events. And we produced an old documentary. It was one of the very first of its kind following the team to an event and kind of the chats in the hotel room and all these things. It was called Complexity Redemption way back in 2004. <laughs> and when that 
event happened and we had a really good run. It turned up a lot of eyebrows and people that followed the scene. And then when we followed that up with the documentary, kind of a, no one had ever really seen that in esports. Um, that kind of catapulted us on the back of fandom. Um, I guess, you know, as large as, as the community was at that time, it, was, it paled in comparison to today, but it was already big enough to kind of catapult you to some what I call e-fame. And, uh, you know, that enabled us to kind of build one of the juggernaut brands of the early days. What was the, what was the platform that the documentary launched on back then? You had to download the file. This was before <laughs> YouTube. So we would go out to server companies and be like, hey, would you be interested in hosting this? And because bandwidth was expensive and so you make this movie and you upload and you have like a big release night like hey tuesday night eight o'clock or whatever we're going to release the link and people would have to go download the file to their computers and then like watch the file because this is pre-youtube <laughs> we would crash server farms and then they wouldn't want to like do it with us again because you know we'd have 10 20 000 people trying to download a fairly sizable file all at the same time and back then the infrastructure was just like no this is too much bandwidth this is too much at once it's like you're taking down our, our uh, company and it was, it was kind of comical at the time. And, uh, you know, I sure was YouTube was around back then. That's so funny. And now obviously years later, complexity is huge and you've got, you've got teams across the mall from Counter-Strike to Fortnite, Rocket League, Call of Duty, Madden, etc. What's, what's the difference between the fans of each of those games and how they interact with you, either age of fan or even geography or if they prefer to watch or be live? Is there, is there a difference? You know, I think the one thing when I think about fandom, um, and I get asked this from time to time, that starts with just like all fans in general. It's like, why are you a fan of watching people play video games or why, you know, do you go to these tournaments or buy these jerseys or, or turn your computer and watch these large events? And to me, it's just the pursuit of excellence. Like you look back at baseball, these guys started on dirt fields outside New York or whatever. And people had to look at them and be like, why are these grown men playing this game? This is ridiculous. You know? And now of course, like if you get a pro baseball career, it's like, wow, look at Billy go, you know? And, and I think it's the same thing. Like if you enjoy an activity, whether it's baseball or whether it's video gaming, you want to see excellence. You want those moments. You're like, wow, I understand as a player how difficult that was, what he or she just did and how impressive it is. You know, whether it's Dak Prescott heaving the football down the field to Amari Cooper, you know, or you got the NBA guys just dunking on somebody like that is incredibly impressive. And as a casual player of football or, or basketball, I, understand that it's the same thing with video gaming so i think if you play a different game or you're very interested in a game you want to see excellence you want to see the best of the best competing against each other um and I really think that's the core of fandom. Different games definitely have different fan bases. Um, once you get beyond that core principle, Fortnite tends to skew a, a little younger where games like Dota and Counter-Strike um, skew a little older. The games have been out a long time. Um, the skill ceilings in some of these games take years to, be, to even become, you know, like, like all right, <laughs> skill level. And, uh, you know, and there's games like League of Legends, like probably, skew somewhere in the middle and understanding how to communicate with with each nuanced community is an art form and if you're not kind of part of that community and you have your finger on the pulse of that community 
you don't really know how to effectively speak to that community. Like there's some commonalities, like gamers are gamers to some extent. But like if you want to market to a Fortnite um, fan who's 14, like how you communicate your messaging is going to be a little different than how you market to, you know, a 26 year old Counter-Strike fan. So within gaming, there are different segments and 70 to 80 percent of people generally follow one game as their primary game. So you know, we have a diversified model where we operate across multiple different games at any one time. So it's definitely an art form and something we pay a lot of attention to as to how best to communicate to each community. And is that something that, that I mean, that's your job or the team's job to sit with these gamers on each of these teams in terms of just teaching them how to interact as a kind of, I don't know call it side job, but, uh, you know, it's what's needed to make sure that not just people are playing because they're great, but they've got a personality and their engagement gets higher. Yeah, I mean, I think most pro gamers that spend the hundreds and thousands of hours to, to get to the pro status in their respective game kind of have an innate sense of the community. Mm-hmm. They know what works and, and what doesn't work. So we definitely try to come along and give media training and encourage people to kind of build out their personality and build out their personal brand and build out their community. Some people, just in like regular sports, you're going to have these people that are super charismatic and just people are really flocked to them, you know. Um, and then you've got other people that are that are more, you know, introverted and, and more shy. And you see that in, in really any sport. Um, and they're not really interested in, in, you know, being quote unquote famous or whatever. They just love playing the game at a high level. So I think within your pro teams, you have to work with, you know, what each person kind of brings to the table and what their own personal goals are. But as an organization, you know, it behooves us to always do our best to understand, you know, what videos best resonate with this community. What's the tone like, you know, what content resonates with this community? Like a, a highlight flag movie might work really good in Counter-Strike and, and, you know, maybe in Fortnite they want to see more building and, and all these nuances uh, of esports. I think really adds a lot of depth and a lot of different flavor um, to the community in general. And, uh, you know, it's a really interesting place to work and to try to sort these things out. What, what's, what's the athlete or talent interaction with fan like and how that's different than traditional sports? I know at the hotels in New yeah. York City after the Fortnite World Cup just re- recently, the, the, oh, the competitors and the streamers and the participants, they're just hanging in the lobby and fans are coming <laughs> up, up. And it's more of a, I call it convention hall versus you can't, you don't, you can't get that at a Super Bowl or an Oscars right. or a Grammys. No, absolutely. First and foremost, I think one of the coolest things about esports and esports stars is the phenomenon of streaming. Um, now, streaming is where a pro player can sit at home and, and practice their game um, while broadcasting that practice to anyone who wants to tune in, say on Twitch or YouTube or Mix or whatever. Um, and then there's always like a chat functionality in these streams, meaning people can type messages. So, hey, how'd you miss that shot? Well, the, the streamer or the pro player who's, who's practicing his or her game can respond and be like, I missed that shot because I didn't do this. Or, you know, and they can tell jokes and they can converse while playing, reading the chat, converse with their community. And really the best of my knowledge, there's never been such 
intimate, close um, interaction between like pro players and, and influencers in any previous sport to where you can just go watch them practice. This is like going with LeBron James and just watching him shoot his, you know, his follow shots or Steph Curry and he's practicing threes all afternoon, except you're sitting there asking him questions and he's responding to some of them and he's giving you pointers like, no, I don't like to post up like this. That, uh, and that's really never been seen before. And I think a lot of that attitude and, and openness does translate to, you know, real world uh, examples to where gamers by far and away are happy to walk down and meet the fans and high five and autograph things. Because I think on some level, we're not jaded yet, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of like, hey, I have fans like this is awesome. I want to meet them. I hope they buy my jersey. And, and, and it's still kind of a cool thing where if you look at, at some of the, you know, the traditional sports stars, they just have so many people hounding them for years. And I think there's just kind of they want a little bit more separation um gaming's not quite there yet esports isn't quite there yet yes there are gamers with millions and millions of followers many more than uh you know traditional nba or nfl stars but i guess they're not to the point yet where they're just kind of i'm too good for the for the fandom if that makes any sense i don't know if i'm really verbalizing it right but it's like hey i get to talk to my community on my twitch stream and if they're going to come out and and try to meet me um you know i want to go down and i want to meet my people and and sign them and thank them and and get to know them you know recently phase um which is a great influencer esports organization had a pop-up shop in new york city they're like hey come meet us come check it out Thousands and thousands of young people showed up. The police had to shut it down. The streets were flooded. Hmm. So, I mean, you know, esports stars and influencers are the new rock stars. They are, in many ways, the new sports stars, the new celebrities. You know, we're seeing that crossover become so ubiquitous across just mainstream entertainment culture. It's not even unusual anymore to see, like, some huge star like Drake, you know, playing with Ninja or, or whatever it might be. Do we ever get to a point where the streamers become, let's call it a influencer fan or celebrity fan of a team and they become and they actually are under contract from a team, not participating in the esport games that you have, but are just a fan. Of, I don't know if I'm thinking Matthew McConaughey with whatever or Drake with the Raptors, but part of instead of two different groups, games and streamers. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing a lot of celebrities invest in esports um, teams. Uh, there's a lot of collaborations to where you'll start to see them more and more wearing like esports team hoodies and jerseys and things like that. It's becoming so commonplace. It's you know, it's not even you know, something that's going to raise eyebrows anymore. Um, you know, Drake and himself, going back to him, invested in Hundred Thieves, which is a great esports organization, and many different athletes from across the spectrum and NBA players and others have invested in esports teams so that's kind of their invested team um, as far as signing non-traditional um, you know gamers to, to teams we're seeing a little bit of that again back to phase that they've worked with some musicians and some athletes that are on phase even though they're not quote unquote a professional esports athlete um, so yeah there's so much crossover it's just becoming a very normal thing and I think as Gen Z really grows up they're not going to see this dichotomy it's like okay we've got sports over here i've got hollywood over here i've got music over here and i've got esports over here it's all blurring together where your esports star is going to be hanging with your hollywood stars and your nba stars your nfl stars and your music stars and um, it's just becoming part of our entertainment uh, mix in our culture 
Yeah, and you guys are down in Dallas at the Star and investment from Jerry Jones. What what do you learn or what does everyone learn from the traditional side, from the Cowboys and that fan interaction? I guess back and forth. They're learning and your guys' learnings. Yeah, I mean, we've learned a lot from the Cowboys. We're right on their property, as you said. It's called the Star. And our pro gamers live in luxury apartments um, each morning. And they have breakfast and lunch for free at the Dallas Cowboys training table before they come over to train at their respective game. They have free membership to Cowboys Fit, which is an awesome gym here on the property so they can get their physical exercise. They get, you know, full lookovers by the doctors over at Baylor Scott and White Sports Therapy and Research Hospital across the street. And then we just finished building on one of the most advanced um, esports headquarters in the world um, with specialized training rooms. And we have a room called the Mind Gym where they work with a performance coach and go over to Twitch and speech uh, training and color pattern recognition. And, uh, yeah, we have Cowboys players come over and visit from time to time. They're always blown away how sophisticated our little operation is <laughs> because uh, we treat this like a professional sport. And, you know, being a part of the, the larger Cowboys family, kind of a sister company, has given us access to some of the best infrastructure in the world. And we're trying to take care of the holistic aspect of our gamers' lives from their, from their nutrition to their exercise, you know, to the preventative medical care to, you know, the best training facility in the world. So it's a bit more advanced than most people know, and uh, it's a heck of a fun place to come to work. What what brands have figured out the the landscape and create content or programming that not only your gamers enjoy, but the fans believe is authentic? You know, there's a bunch of brands. I almost hate to start listing them yeah. off because then if I miss one, people will be like, hey, you didn't mention it. <laughs> yeah, I get that. You know, there's a lot of people doing a great job. And the one thing you have to remember about esports, it, it, we have this adage. It's we're building the plane while we're flying it. Yeah. So nobody's really perfected anything in this business and that's what makes it really exciting we're all improving we're all moving forward you've got some great content teams like like phase and like 100 thieves and 100 thieves is really good at merch you've got some great professional organizations like team liquid and cloud nine that just time after time produce these incredibly talented players so there's a lot of people kind of approaching it slightly differently but all headed the right the same direction so when you look across the tier one organizations in, in the United States, and I definitely like think we're one of them, um, there's a lot of people doing a lot of really neat things uh, across content and fashion and pro training and, and medicine and studies. And uh, it's a pretty quick moving space while the plane is flying along here. And how about you personally in terms of being a fan? As a kid, what were you a fan of? I met, It was obviously more traditional sports then. And what are you a fan of now? And how do you interact with that fandom yourself? You know, I grew up a traditional sports fan and player. My dad was a baseball coach when I was young. I played all the sports basically at some point. Um, football was the one I really felt fell in love with, and I was a uh, all-state high school football player up in Iowa. My brother was all-state in like four or five different sports, and ended up playing baseball at the University of Arizona, and almost went pro. So I mean, I've been around traditional sports fandom my entire life. You know, going to a baseball game and getting a hot dog or an NFL game. You you know, and, and just enjoying that experience it was always near and dear to my heart. So as you know, we approach the, the digital fandom that we see, you know, by far and away in esports, and more and more so, the local touch points um, that are being built, like in our, our headquarters, the front of the headquarters 
just a couple weeks here going to be open to the public so kids can come in play a video game buy merch and like meet the players and things like that and you'll see a lot of the esports teams starting to engage in more local activations where you can get that high five and, and you can get that autograph so we've already come from the digital world which many companies in the traditional sporting world are still trying to sort out we were born there we were bred there we grew up there and now we're almost doing it backwards now we're reaching out with more grassroots touch point so we can meet the fans what do these activation look like what do these autograph lines look like at big events how do we best come alongside our fans and provide them with value and their entertainment experience so you know coming from traditional sports and growing up you know just ooing and eyeing at, at the sports stars of yesteryear it's really near and dear to my heart to always do the best job we can to take care of our fans and build our community and and provide them a quality experience whether it be digitally or or here at the headquarters in person what do you think's the most misunderstood part about your industry um, you know, I could go on and on about this for, for quite a while. Um, you know, I think the one that really jumps to my mind is people that don't follow the industry believe this antiquated idea that gamers are these obese children living in mom's basement, um, you know, shoving these unhealthy snacks and, and drinks down their throat, never seeing sunlight no social life and that's completely incorrect um, many of our pro gamers were, were high school star athletes and they have very active social lives and, and social followings and you know most all of our gamers take their physical fitness very seriously and that's why we provide free memberships to Cowboys Fit and you know they follow their nutrition and, and of course it's a large space of uh you know, of, of different kinds of people, but this whole antiquated idea that these are just antisocial um, people in a dark basement just couldn't be any further from the truth. Do you think that the fans that are growing every day as every uh, you know, 10-year-old becomes an 11-year-old and has their own phone and computer and every 6-year-old becomes 61 and that generation goes the other way, is there a point where that generation, the 40 plus, get involved in the sport as a fan or is the focus, let's just let's stay true to, let's call it 10 to 29 and every year more and more are going to come or they're going to grow up with it? Just more the question of, is there a role for somebody that's not been in it that maybe watches a little bit because their kids are in it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the beautiful things about gaming is it's really about community and it's about building those bonds. One of the greatest things I've been able to see over my 16-year tenure is cross-generational cross interest, meaning I've seen people that were younger and playing, grow up, have their own children, and now they're bringing those children to gaming events because they love gaming. Their children love gaming. It's a way they bond. It's something they spend time over, much like you know the grandfather and the young kids um, of yesteryear going to Yankee Stadium or whatever it might be. And I think once you build that cross-generational interest where mom and dad love gaming as much as the kids love gaming or at least know enough about it to where they want to share that experience with their kids and go to events and, and and things like that then i really think you have the momentum to uh create a digital sport for a digital future and crystal ball for me five years from now what what, what really has changed that that really excites you every single day when you get up 
Oh man, it's just the overall size of the viewership um, globally. You know, the West is ha, has been a little slower than, say, like Korea and regions like that over the years. But the West has really come on like a freight train. And when you really start studying the number of gamers across like China and India, it's staggering. Um, you know, earlier I alluded to the fact that I really felt this is going to be the biggest sport in the world, only really competing with probably soccer, um, the true global sport. And I really believe that, you know, when you, you know, a wise man once told me you want to skate to where the puck is going and not to where the puck is. And if you look at this generation and Gen Z and millennials and what are they interested in, where are they spending their time? You know, where are they spending their discretionary income? Like what interests them by far and away it's gaming and gaming and gaming. And this keeps coming up across all the studies. So if you're looking at where that puck is going and you're looking at a crystal ball, it doesn't, in my opinion, take a genius to understand that, you know, you have billions of people playing games, six, 700 million people around the world actively watching esports and the competitive side of games. Um, there's going to be a lot of potential. There's going to be a lot of business potential and uh, entertainment potential in the years to come. And that's The Bond. Thanks for listening.